0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Tuesday, November 3rd. I'm Meredith Reddick with Raven News. A man died in Sitka's harbor Monday morning after falling into the water while attempting to tie up his vessel. KCAW's Aaron McKinstry reports.
1: Sitka Police identified the man as 65-year-old Ronald Cameron. His boat, the Allison Mariah, is out of Bellingham, Washington. His next of kin have been notified. The Sitka Police Department received a call at 7:28 a.m. on Monday that a person was floating face down in the water near the seawall by Seafood Producers Cooperative or SPC. Officers, an ambulance, and the Sitka Fire Department responded within minutes and quickly recovered the body from the water. They administered CPR, but Cameron was pronounced dead on scene. Sergeant Lance Ewers says the investigation into his death is ongoing, but satellite tracking shows that he arrived in the harbor on the 75-foot longliner shortly before the call came in. It appears he was trying to tie up his boat by himself.
2: And, you know, with the weather and the wind blowing, he managed to get it partially tied, but then it appeared that the boat pulled away from the dock and he fell in.
1: The man wasn't wearing a life jacket, Ewers says. After he fell in, the boat started floating down the channel.
2: These men who work at the SPC Center were able to, like, throw stuff on it and grab onto it with poles and and manage to wrangle it back into place and get some ropes on it and tie it off before it could do some, because it would have literally just creamed into the boats just south of uh, SPC there.
1: No foul play is suspected, and the medical examiner's office in Anchorage will conduct an autopsy to confirm the cause of death. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry.
0: City crews worked through the early afternoon on Monday clearing landslide debris from a Sitka neighborhood following a weekend of heavy rains. No one was injured in the event. Only a road was blocked. But a large amount of mud and logs had to be removed. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports.
3: Harry Green is Sitka's maintenance and operations superintendent. He says what began as one slide Sunday evening became two slides by Monday morning. We had a slide, it was about 6 p.m. last night, and then we opened it up so uh, you could get up the road. With plans on clearing it out this morning, and then uh, we had another slide come somewhere between 9.30 and 5 o'clock this morning. The slide fell about 100 feet from just below the houses on the upper part of Sand Dollar Drive and blocked the lower part. Although no structures were damaged in the event, at least two homes appear to be at risk of undercutting if more material comes down. Green says the slide occurred mostly on private property and he's unsure what mitigation measures might be needed to stabilize the slope. He says that a significant amount of material came down. I'd estimate we're going to move about 500 yards today to get the road open. That's like uh, 10 yards per truck. That's 50 truckloads. Exactly. Sitka and southeast Alaska were battered by heavy weather conditions over the weekend as dual storm systems rolled in one after the other on Saturday and Sunday nights. Total rainfall in Sitka ranged from 6 to 8 inches for the storms. Wind gusts in Sitka's harbor hit 59 miles per hour with a peak gust of 63 miles per hour at the Alaska Marine Line's dock in Starry Bay. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey.
0: You can see a picture of the slide on our website, kcaw.org. Three more Sitkins have tested positive for the coronavirus. A man in his 50s tested positive on Monday. He was exhibiting symptoms when he received testing on october 29th a second patient in his 50s also tested positive he was also experiencing symptoms when he received testing on october 30th both patients are isolating locally and contact tracing has been completed according to city data a third patient was also experiencing symptoms when he was tested on october 29th although his age range has not been announced and contact tracing is still in progress. All three of the new cases are tied to community spread. This makes 87 total cases over the last eight months. Ten of those cases are considered active, and one more patient has been hospitalized, according to city data. Due to the increase in community cases over the last two weeks, the Sitka School District's alert level has shifted to high. According to the city's COVID 19 dashboard, school buildings will remain open for the time being with additional health and cleaning protocols in place, and families are being advised to, quote, be ready to go to virtual instruction on short notice. Efforts at cleaning up a long closed Canadian mine upstream from southeast Alaska's largest salmon producing system took another step forward, Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports.
4: A recent court ruling clears the way for the province of British Columbia to start cleaning up the Tulsaqua Chief mine. The metals mine hasn't been productive since the 1950s, but for decades it's leached acidic runoff into a watershed that drains into the salmon-rich Taku River. The province of BC announced a nearly $37 million cleanup plan earlier this year, but Toronto-based creditors have been trying to find a new buyer to recoup the tens of millions of dollars it's lost on unsuccessful efforts to restart mining. Westface Capital asked to be discharged from responsibility of paying legal bills and other costs, while at the same time having unlimited time to resell the mine. The province objected, saying Canadian taxpayers shouldn't foot the cleanup costs to enrich private investors. The Ontario Superior Court of Justice ruled in BC's favor but it allowed a two-year window for the Toronto investment firm to come back to the court if it finds a new buyer to take over the mine. There are environmental concerns with the project which will have to be addressed, the judge wrote in a mid-October decision. Tribes and conservationists on both sides of the border welcome the judge's ruling. The Taku River Clingit First Nation has been seeking the mine's cleanup without delay. In Juneau, Chris Zimmer of Rivers Without Borders says he hopes the court's decision will spur the province to act.
3: Hopefully BC can move aggressively towards cleanup and not look at this two-year process as some kind of delay or lull.
4: Some first steps to getting the defunct mine cleaned up began this summer. In a statement, BC's mining ministry says it plans to resume designing a long-term monitoring plan and conduct more surveys next spring. It also may install a temporary water treatment plant to stop polluting the Tulsaqua River. The mine is about 10 miles upstream from the international boundary. Reporting in Juneau. I'm Jacob Resnick.
0: Alaska is the last state in the country to begin to count absentee ballots, and so the outcome of close races in the state this year likely won't be known for at least a week after Election Day. Alaska Public Media and KTOO's Andrew Kitchenman reports.
2: Having a long wait to know the final results of an election isn't unusual for Alaska, during this year's primary, for example, the state wasn't able to reach poll workers in Diomede on election night at all due to phone problems. But with an absentee vote count that begins later than other states, combined with a record high number of absentee votes due to COVID-19, the long wait may be particularly noticeable this year. Division of Elections Director Gail Fenumi recently explained why the week-long wait is necessary.
5: Make sure that we have all the in-person history that's done from voters who go cast a ballot on election day at the polls to be able to account for any voters who may have voted in person at their polling place and also voted by mail or voted in another manner. So we can do the best to ensure that only one vote for a voter is counted in the general election.
2: In 2016 and 2018, the state started counting absentee ballots sooner. That's because it relied on a different system then to ensure voters didn't vote more than once. This year's approach returns the state to the vote count schedule it followed before 2016. Phnomiai says this year has been unique.
1: Well,
5: the election in general has been more challenging because of COVID, Um, finding election workers doing our best to ensure the public that you know we're we're keeping workers and voters safe. Of course, having record numbers vote by mail is challenging.
2: The vote counts announced on election night in Alaska will only include those ballots cast earlier in the day, as well as nearly 38,000 early votes cast in person. It's not yet clear how many votes will be counted after election day, but it will be a large amount, including nearly 90,000 absentee votes the state reported through Friday morning. In the primary in August, 40% of all votes were counted later, and it could be a similar share in the general election, based on the number of absentee ballots that could still be returned and the number of early and questioned ballots cast in previous elections. In the primary, seven communities voted entirely by absentee ballot when poll workers weren't available at the last minute due to COVID-19. FNUMIAI said on October 19th that the division was aiming to have a polling place open in each precinct, though she was talking with communities that face COVID-19 outbreaks.
5: We are in daily contact with our chairpeople and the local leaders there to see how they think things are going.
2: The timeline for updates on vote counts after the absentee counting has begun isn't clear. The division has until November 18th to complete the count. Another thing to keep in mind on election night, when the Division of Elections reports that precincts have reported their results, those results won't include the absentee votes and others that won't be counted that week. So when, say, 99% of precincts have reported, that doesn't mean that 99% of the votes have been counted. Phnomiae emphasizes one last point. All results are unofficial until the votes are certified. The target for that is November 25th. In Juneau, I'm Andrew Kitchenman.
0: I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning edition.